Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are locked on Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast. We're here today to continue our player season preview series, talking about Corey Joseph. And to talk Corey Joseph, I have Raptors expert from Raptors Republic and the Athletic Toronto, Blake Murphy with me. Blake, how are you doing? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm good. Uh, I know you were at Raptors Media Day all day and got to see uh, the old Pacers darling C.J. Miles all day. Yes, immediately becomes uh, one of the best quotes on the Raptors. Probably the best non-star quote, which is very important because with P.J. Tucker outbound, big, big hole to fill in the Kyle and DeMar don't want to talk to you. Who can I go to for a really good quote department? (laughs) You're going to love C.J. I know fans in Indiana love C.J. and he's always willing to give a good quote. Uh, We'll just right into CJ, I guess. Do you want him to start for you guys, or do you want him to be the bench guy? Um, For me, personally, I, I see the argument both ways. I probably lean very slightly towards CJ Miles starting over Norman Powell. Um, there are good arguments both ways. Dwayne Casey today at Media Day seemed pretty split. Obviously, if Norman Powell starts, you get a better defender in there. Um, you get kind of a tertiary attacking option. And then CJ Miles slides right into the role that Terrence Ross played in the second unit. The last couple of years as kind of a secondary scoring threat and and a huge floor spacer on those downsized second units. Um, I think they probably lean Norman Powell for the defense and because he's been here a little bit and because that's kind of the best way to keep rotation continuity. Uh, the flip side of that would be that if Norm comes off the bench, uh, then when Lowry sits, he's the number two with DeRozan. When DeRozan sits, he's the number two with Lowry rather than him being the number three, maybe even number four with the starters. Um, and his kind of attack, attack, attack mentality would be nice in the second unit, a second unit that's going to skew young and pretty fast. Um, but you really, you know, it's one of those things where the last couple of years the Raptors have faced starter questions where everyone's arguing why the starter shouldn't be the starter, um, usually at the power forward position, because that was a spot of weakness. Now it's like, well, there are two pretty good options to start at the three. So whichever way you go, I'm sure it'll be, I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure it'll work itself out. Yeah, when I look at it, I think also with Norm, you kind of have a player development thing going on there just because he's going to be there for more than a half decade versus CJ. You don't really know beyond three years. But at the same time, with the Raptors looking like they're going to be in that hierarchy of the East, CJ might be that caretaker wing you want to start. So that'll be an interesting uh, debate for you guys this year. Yeah, and it could be pretty fluid. Um, You know, Dwayne Casey and, and the players will speak to the value of this, likes to enter the season with a set starting lineup and find a rotation quickly. But He's shown the last two years that if there's, I mean, I guess two years ago, it took until they were down in a playoff series for him to make the change. But last year, he went away from uh, Siakam at about the halfway point when they, when that wasn't working at the four. Um, I don't know. I, I think I think they'll pick something and, and stick with it. And, you know, this team's kind of been built on the last couple of years. Well, the starters are just okay and maybe even worse than that. But if that if the bench unit can pick it up, then we'll, we'll win some games. So... I don't think they'll stress it too much. It'll just be who kind of is fitting best in practices uh, throughout the course of the, the training camp. 
the Pacers actually acquired Corey Joseph from the Raptors for the draft rights to Amir Prezic. Prezic? I don't actually know how to say that perfectly. Uh, did they actually keep his draft rights, Blake? I don't know the answer to that. They still have his draft rights technically. I mean, he's a 30-year-old like role-playing wing overseas. They're not going to matter. But you, you know how teams keep these draft rights as a sort of trade currency. They still hold them for the time being. Uh, yeah, so that's that was the trade. Joseph is now a pacer. Uh, a little background on Corey Joseph. He went to college for a year at Texas before being drafted by the Spurs, and the Raptors signed him to his first ever contract that wasn't his rookie scale deal, where he's played for the last two years. Uh, some noteworthy statistical trends. Uh, he's increased his scoring every year as a pro, which I think is encouraging for a guy who plays kind of this combo guard kind of position, but his career averages are uh, seven points and two and a half assists. Uh, Blake, what do you think his his uh, most important stats are? If you just looked at his per game numbers, um, in terms of per game, I mean, it, it's kind of it, overall. Uh, it's nice that he can give you that kind of secondary distribution off the bench. He's averaged over three assists a game uh, in his two years with Toronto, which is nice in a part time role, especially since he was a, a lot of those minutes he was in a split guard position. Um, if you're looking for stat progression. Uh, the big one from last year is that he finally started knocking down threes at a decent volume. So he's only 31.7% career three-point shooter. Uh, last year, 35.6%, and that's on the highest volume of his career. So if you're looking for an encouraging sign that that, especially that points total could go up, uh, that's probably the one you're looking at there. Um, per game, I mean, nothing really pops that much. You're you're in a backup role where you're splitting ball handling duties. You're not gonna uh, you're not gonna pad the stat sheet too too much. Yeah, I see his free throw percentage as being pretty solid, and that makes me think that that three-point percentage could stick uh, to some variety. But you you watched him with the Raptors. Uh, can you kind of describe his role with the team so we can see if it'll be comparable to what we think he'll have with the Pacers? Yeah, I mean, his uh, – and you guys you guys saw it in a couple playoff series. Um, you know, Corey Joseph's role with the Raptors is – it was a pretty standard backup point guard role, but almost like a supercharged backup point guard role where he was – you know, if not the best backup point guard in the NBA over the last two years, he was among the top ones. And what that meant was even though Corey, uh, Kyle Lowry was playing 35, 36 minutes a game, um, Joseph was up around 25, 26, because 13, 14 minutes, the Raptors would roll out dual point guard lineups. And what they would do in those situations is um, Joseph, who's 6'3", would generally guard the bigger of the two guards on the opposing team. Sometimes he would just take the, the tougher perimeter check. But a lot of the times it was the bigger one since he was bigger than than Lowry. Uh, and then he would work on the ball with Lowry spotting up around him because Lowry is such a great shooter. So uh, what you saw Joseph do a lot of the time was that the Raptors love to have multiple ball handlers on the floor so they can spread it out along the top of uh, the key horizontally where you can kind of run a little weave and have pick and rolls on either side of the floor. Um, I think with Darren Collison in Indiana as well, even if you disagree with, you know, spending the money on Collison and then acquiring Corey Joseph. Uh, I think there, there's definitely an opportunity for them to play some minutes together there where they can both play on or off the ball and, and defend different guard positions. Uh, Joseph was absolutely uh, not a, a look to score guy first. He had some games and some stretches, particularly when Lowry was out where he would look to score. Um, but really, I mean, you're looking at at the highest 9.3 points in 25 minutes. Uh, that works at the 13 per 36, which which is not a lot. Um, so lower usage guy, he, he's going to look to get teammates involved, run some pick and roll, a little guilty sometimes of dribbling the ball into the ground and, and dribbling the air out of it a little bit. Um, but he's, you know, he, he's a he's a fine backup and, and maybe on the lower end as a starter. Uh, but with Collis in there, I think you guys can be pretty optimistic about how they'll work together. You just stole a lot of my thunder because uh, when I was researching, I saw oh, he played no. almost – 
45% of his minutes at the two and a little bit at the three even, which was funny, but I was shocked. I was like, wow, this guy, you know, kind of played more, uh, not like combo guard than point guard. And I would look into those minutes. And like you said, they were all with Lowry because he's a little taller and, you know, would guard the better guard. And then, you know, you, you said Collison too. I wanted to draw that comparison because Collison's also six feet tall and isn't the best defender, but is also a 42% three point shooter. And I think he's going to fit that, that mold that he fit in Toronto perfectly with Collison. And just that Collison's like, Worse than Lowry, it'll be the same kind of roles, if that makes sense. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. And that was kind of the first thing I thought when, you know, when Indy signed Carlson and everyone kind of reacted like, well, I guess Indiana's out on uh, Corey Joseph. I was like, well, you know, it, it might still work because those guys could play together. Um, you know, timeline-wise, there are questions there. But uh, the on-court fit should be pretty solid. Uh, I don't know if – I know uh, Basketball Reference has Joseph down for some small forward minutes. Probably in those scenarios, I think it was DeLon Wright as the the nominal small forward, and the Raptors have talked about doing that a little bit this year. Uh, but yeah, Joseph, you know, he can defend some twos. He's not going to defend like the big power twos all that well. And last year, his defense actually slid a little bit, um, especially his on-ball defense. The Raptors like to keep track of what they call blow-bys, which is basically where you get beat on the perimeter. Um, and his numbers kind of weren't great there. I am pretty sure his defensive RPM if you're a, a fan of the advanced stats instead that slid a little bit uh, and kind of I mean just based on watching there were a lot more breakdowns on the perimeter that he was involved in um, he is pretty good though fighting through fighting through screens um, you know he, he's a pretty game defender and, and when guys get past him he's pretty good at getting back into them and getting back onto their hip um, so you know you talked about Collison who has some shortcomings as a defender um, again there he can probably take the the tougher of the two guards, as long as it's not like a really big guard and, and he can play alongside Old Depot or, or Lance, no problem too. Yeah. That's, that's a big hit for things that I wanted to talk about as well. You know, I was just, I just like that he can come in and kind of be like a little bit better defender than Collison and a little bit better of an offensive player than Stevenson. And he fits really well with every other guard that the Pacers have either acquired this offseason or just have rolling over from last year. I think that'll, that is probably his biggest, uh, you know, strength to the team is that he just tells with any player he can be on the court with because, well, we haven't really said he's, like, exceptional or anything. He's not really bad at anything, you know? Yeah, and that's kind of, you know, the Spurs hasn't really rubbed off of him yet where he's just this kind of fungible piece that you can, um, you know, he, he can bounce all over the place and shift in different roles. And I will say, um, you know, with certain – there could be hangups in terms of spacing, depending on what lineups are like, because, you know, even though he shot 35% on the threes and it's a nice step forward, teams probably, you know, even at the tail end of last year, we're still going under a lot of screens. We're still giving them some room to breathe on the three-point line. Um, so there might be a little bit of growing pain there. Uh, but yeah, I think you guys got a pretty good, good player here. And, and the reason Toronto, you know, was willing to unload him for nothing was not because Corey Joseph wasn't a good player or a good fit here. Um, it was you know, strictly financial. And then they have DeLon Wright and Fred Van Fleet, who they're high on. So um, it's not as if, you know, you the, the Pacers were taking someone else's trash here. They were kind of just swooping in and taking advantage of someone else's tough situation. So he's a, he's a nice get for you guys. I, I like the fit. Yeah, I'm pretty happy we got him for essentially nothing too. And I kind of wonder if there was like some wink-wink deal with the CJ Miles signing happening around the same time. You know, you, you can't really say for sure, but I'm sure there was something like, hey, we kind of want to re-sign CJ, but if you give us Corey, you know, we'll let him go. Yeah, certainly. And, and the fact that it was reported at first as a sign and trade, um, clearly some wires got crossed in the reporting process there, or the teams were still kicking around the idea of whether it would be dump Joseph for nothing uh, and then sign Miles or do a sign and trade. 
Um, you know, in the end, the miles for him to get that third year option instead of a guaranteed third year, it had to be the way it was. And then the Raptors also create a traded player exception that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, for the Pacers, it's smart business. Like if they had, if the Pacers had signed miles back on that same deal, he would have been eminently tradable all season long. Once the, the timeline for trading a guy away, uh, passed and, you know, by being one of the only teams with cap space, it's, it's a nice spot to be in where you can acquire an asset like this. And he's a guy that, you know, Joseph can opt out after this year. So maybe it's not a long-term piece, but you get a, a free long look at him for a year. He eats minutes until, you know, the next prospect is ready or, or a younger player is ready. Um, and he's, you know, he's a, this is intangible stuff that not everyone really cares for. Uh, but he was a guy that the Raptors really liked having in their organization too, like hard worker, good teammate, um, that kind of person. I, I think he'll be well liked there as well. Well, I know he's, isn't he the captain of the Canada national team too? You know, he has to love being in Toronto himself. Yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't with them this year because the FIBA America Cup was pretty pointless. Um, but generally, I think this is the first year he didn't participate with the senior national team since he became a pro. Um, yeah, and he's, uh, him and Tristan Thompson are, are kind of the stalwarts at that level. And, and here in Toronto, he, uh, you know, Corey Joseph only makes seven or eight million dollars a year. He feasted on those local Toronto ads here. So, if any small Indianapolis businesses are looking for someone to plug their products, Corey Joseph's your man. And that is a perfect segue for me to tell you guys about SeatGeek. Hey guys, a quick break from talking about Corey Joseph to tell you guys about SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the number one ticket aggregating site that there is for you to use on your laptop or your phone or your iPad or whatever tablet you use. You've heard us talk about SeatGeek a million times, but we cannot stress enough how great SeatGeek is. It's so much better than any other ticket aggregating site you can use for you know various reasons. There's no hidden fees. It tells you the value of your ticket. It's easy to use. It has a beautiful interface with these colored dots that tell you how good the value of your ticket is. And most importantly, you can get money back buying tickets if you do use SeatGeek. That's right. If you use the code LONBA at checkout with SeatGeek, you'll get $20 off your first purchase to whatever ticket you may buy. You can use SeatGeek for games, concerts, any event you would think can think of. SeatGeek's got tickets for it, and always that code is LONBA. And now back to talking about Corey Joseph. Okay, and we're back to continue talking about Corey Joseph with Blake Murphy from the Toronto, or from from the Toronto, from the Athletic Toronto. Uh kind of hit on his strength and weaknesses really well, but I wanted to, I was just looking over his B-ball ref page earlier today, and I thought it was pretty cool and interesting that his points, rebounds, and assists literally have all gone up every single season of his career. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a, he's been a nice player development story where there was some question about whether he left Texas too early. Um, you know, the, he famously, when he was in San Antonio, asked for uh, a D-League assignment to go down and get a little more playing time. Um, and he's, you know, He's a guy that it shows why, especially at the point guard position, um, everyone wants like instant returns, right? Even if you're a late first round pick and sometimes guys take a little bit to grow into a role and figure out the intricacies of the league. Some guys, you know, some guys come in and are ready. Some guys develop while they're not playing. Some guys just need reps to kind of find that level. Um, and if you're looking at Joseph, I think he, I think he just turned 26. So uh, it's not, he's still kind of just entering the point where point guards kind of hit their prime. So if you want to be optimistic and price in a little bit of uh, a little bit more increase in his stat line, whether per game or, or per 36 minutes, um, I don't think that's out of the question at all. I don't either. And, you know, I think that it'll help for him that I want to segue into this easily too, that he kind of fits with everybody on the team. And we already talked about his guard fits and we really haven't touched on any forwards and centers, but uh, 
like you said, he's he's kind of okay in the pick and roll, right, with the ball in his hands. And I know they're going to want to put Miles Turner in a pick and roll almost every possession if they can. Yeah, I, I'm so excited about Miles Turner, man. It's uh, oh man, you and me both. All all the talk about the unicorns around the league and, and Porzingis and Cat, and I know you know I know Turner hasn't had the eyeballs on him just yet, but. Man, the the floor spacing slash rim protecting com- combination there, and the fact that he's like not a slender center who can do that either. He's like a a thick dude that that can bang around a little bit. Um, that should be a lot of fun. And Joseph played a fair amount of minutes with, with Jonas Valanciunas, who you know is a kind of just a rumbling rim runner uh, in the pick and roll. So having Turner who can pop a little bit, um, that could be a nice combination. He he's pretty familiar. You know, he's played in heavy bench units the last two years with Patrick Patterson, who's a pick and pop big. Um, that should be, it should be a nice combo there. How is, I mean, it looks a certain way. Um, how is Turner's screen setting in general out of, out of my own curiosity? Yeah, you, well, you kind of said it yourself. Those girthy centers all kind of just naturally have that screening ability just because they're big, but uh, it hasn't been perfect. And it's kind of been weird because with Paul George, they last year, they did kind of an even set of screens with, you know, either, uh, Turner or Thaddeus Young, or they do this weird double screen thing where they'd have uh, whoever was in it, the three come up and they'd, or excuse me, the two come up and they'd both screen for them. And it was just like, it was hard to get a read on if anyone's screening ability was really good just because they did so many double screens. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. And the Raptors, um, I should send you a link after. There were The Raptors played around a lot with um, double screens for Joseph. Uh, there, were, there were stretches where uh, when Lowry wasn't, on the floor, you know, Joseph, the offense could kind of sputter sometimes. And this is not a new Raptor story, nor is it unique to Corey Joseph being on the floor. Um, but yeah, they, they started using some dual screens to try to open things up, um, whether it be, you know, stagger screens or screen the screener stuff, um, or just like a straight double screen at the top. So Joseph has some familiarity in that too. It's, it's funny. I didn't realize until we started having this, like, I thought it'd be a good fit, but I didn't realize like how seamless the role transition might be with Collison and some similar bigs. I think it'll just blend really nicely for him and i think i wonder if he's kind of just be himself and the, the you know the challenge with the pacers this year is like it's hard to tell how much of guys skills were that they were good or that instead they're good at playing off of paul george i don't have to worry about that because he's coming in from another team so you know that's not a big deal um wing wise uh who would you say the best kind of wing was that he played with on the raptors was it more like that derozan just give me the ball get out of the way type or more the you know, the P.J. Tucker and Terrence Ross, like, shooter and defense guy kind of wing. I mean, him and Terrence always had a, a pretty good combination, and, and a lot of that was Corey running a pick and roll on one side while there's an off-ball action for um, Terrence Ross uh, on the other side of the floor. And I think that's going to be the case with a lot of, like, non-shooting point guards or non-elite shooting point guards. They're going to work better with uh, a guy who can space the floor and have some distraction on the other side of the floor. Like, I could see him... Um, you know, if they're downsized and, and Thad's at the four um, and Bogdanovich is at the three or something like that, like that's a look that he'll be pretty familiar with. Um, you know, I, I would have, I would maybe have some concern about a Corey Joseph Lance Stevenson backcourt for spacing, if spacing reasons. Um, you know, looking at the depth chart here, there's probably even some scenarios where uh, Stevenson's the three and, and Joseph's one of the guard spots. So, I could see Indiana running into some uh, some spacing issues at times. Um, but really, I mean, like you said, Joseph's kind of a plug-and-play guy where um, it's not so much the the presence of any great strength that's going to lift the lineup, but the absence of any glaring weakness, really, that's going to, you know, sink a group. 
Yeah, you keep uh, – I swear you're reading my uh, bullet sheet here. You keep stealing my points. I was going to say uh, with Lance, the problem would be on offense, like you said, with spacing because neither of them are, you know, great three-point shooters. I know Pacers fans, like, want to see 2012 good shooting Lance, but the last four years for him have been a little rough. From At the same time, I think if you go, you know, some combination of Joseph Oladipo and Lance as your one, two, three, that's probably the best defensive lineup the team could roll out. So maybe you will end up seeing that just for that reason only. Yeah, for sure. And, and I mean, those guys, and because Joseph is 6'3", um, you know, those guys could get pretty switchy along the perimeter, which I don't know if that's the style that Indiana wants to play with. Um, but, you know, it would make sense when you have a handful of kind of car- combo guards or undersized wings um, to play that way. And I guess you could throw Glenn Robinson in that mix, too, if he's going to carve out uh, a meaningful role this year. So um, it should be interesting in that regard. Again, with Joseph's defense, um, it looks good he like it looks good for the most part um he tries really hard he's good at getting back into it when he gets beat um but the numbers and his success defending kind of one-on-one on the perimeter last year did decline markedly in the first half of the season and he came out of it a little bit toward the end um particularly when Lowry went down and he was starting for 20 games uh, so that'll probably be something for you guys to watch for early in the year um I know advanced stats we we won't get a, a good grasp in a short sample um but his, you know, some of his advanced metrics were less friendly last year. His on-off impact was kind of less than it had been. Uh, the Raptors were, I think, 5.4 points better when he was off the court last year uh, per 100 possessions. And again, there's the Lowry impact there, too, when he's getting minutes without Lowry. Um, but but how whether the defensive results for the team are matching the effort level of Joseph, it should be an interesting thing for you guys to watch for early on. Yeah, especially because, you know, I think the Pacers might be a bottom five defense in the league just in general. They don't have a ton of great stoppers outside of maybe Turner and Robinson, who only one of them might not even start. So maybe, Joseph, if he's such a welcome uh, defensive surprise, you know, maybe if they're up five late in the game and they need a defensive lineup to come in and close the game, it'll be Joseph over college. Like, yeah, and Joseph, and Joseph closed a lot of games for the Raptors the last two years, too, alongside Lowry. So, um, you know, Dwayne Casey – the results haven't always matched his reputation as a defense first guy, but the fact that he, you know, was willing to roll two point guards with Joseph and Lowry uh, to close a lot of games should tell you at least something about uh, the coaching staff's faith in, in Joseph's defense. Yeah, uh, I agree. And I think we're at the point where we should probably be predicting his head for the next season. And uh, I'm going to go first just because I like to go first. Sure. Um, I think he's going to continue to grow a little bit as a scorer just because I think he'll get more minutes than he ever did. Uh, in Toronto, mostly because, you know, I think they want him as a younger guy to just be playing more than Collison in case they want to resign him. And they like that combo guard idea just because who knows what version of Lance Stevenson they're going to get. Reasonable to say he gets to that 10 point barrier finally, maybe 10 or 11 points every night. Uh, rebounding, you know, he's never been known as a rebounder, but the Pacers are notoriously bad at rebounding, especially coming in the, in, in the next year. If Turner can't really uh, improve on the boards, they're going to need some help from their wings to get bored. So if he comes into the two, maybe, but I, I'd expect that to stay around the same two boards a game he's been getting. And assist-wise, we already nailed that this team uh, might have some shooting struggles with the lineups that he will play in. But as a, as, as a whole, they'll probably be about an average shooting team. So again, no real changes from his career averages, maybe two and a half assists per game. Do you think uh, those are about right? Yeah, I'd probably go a little north on the assists. I think being the, you know, I think there's more of a case to be made that even when he's in split guard, lineups um that he should be the the primary initiator in a lot more indiana lineups than he got the chance to do when kyle lowry was out there again even though lowry mostly worked off ball you know kyle lowry is going to get the ball and demar de rosen is going to get the ball um so i think his uh 
you know, when you factor in true usage with the assist rate factored in, I think he's going to have uh, a bigger role. I think you could see, you know, if the minutes tick up a little bit, I don't think like 11 to 12 points and four to four and a half assists is really out of the realm of possibility. And then depending on how aggressive they want to let him get on the defensive end, you know, he's a guy who's sniffed one steal a game uh, in the past as well. So um, yeah, I would say, I mean, like if you're trying to lock it down for fantasy purposes, like if you're looking <laughs> 11, 11 and a half points, four to four and a half assists and maybe a steal a game, um, that's a solid, like, I don't know if that, if, if, you know, you'd probably have to be in a deeper format for that to be all that relevant to you. Um, but for a guy that Indiana got for free, not a bad plug and play piece. No, uh, hopefully, or not, maybe not hopefully, but possibly the sixth man, you know, great plug and play. I agree with all those, uh, I was talking to another guy on, the, on our Thaddeus Young podcast, and we kind of talked about how sometimes defensive uh, stats are a little more of a byproduct of chance than actual skill. Yeah. But I think with Joseph, given his limited minutes and high effort, and like you said, he fights through screens, I think his steal numbers at least are definitely a byproduct of his ability to play on that end of the floor. Yeah, for sure. And, and his steal percentage, if you prefer that, um, anywhere from 1.6% to 2% since he's gotten regular minutes in the NBA. So that's been – that's been really steady. You put him out there for more minutes. I think that'll tick upward. Um, and it's not as if the Raptors played like an ultra, uh, ultra aggressive um, style of play at that end of the floor, nor did, uh, nor did the Spurs when he was playing a bigger role there. So um, yeah, as long as, you know, as long as there's not like a clear edict, not to gamble ever, um, he should be pretty, pretty solid in that regard too. Uh, do you, out of my own curiosity, you, you would have a better idea of this uh, do you think he's coming off the bench, or do you think he's gonna gonna push for the starting spot there? Uh, man, um, well, we kind of talked about Darren Collison on our podcast yesterday, and a lot of what we talked about is, you know, Collison was a four year guy in college, and he, you know, had that he was above Rondo for a bit, and he was above Isaiah Thomas, and in college he played with Russell Westbrook and Jordan Farmar and Aflalo and Drew Holiday, and he's kind of been he just kind of always been a mentor no matter where he goes. So I kind of think at first they're going to go with Collison just to see if he can kind of mentor even Joseph and Joe Young, just all their younger point guards. But by the end of the year, I would not be surprised if Joseph uh, takes his spot just because he might have a future with the team and Collison probably doesn't. And it's kind of interesting because they don't have any point guards with a guaranteed contract next year. So really, it's just a battle to see who the best player on the team will be as the season goes along, I feel like. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah, so we'll have to see. Uh, Blake, thanks so much for coming on. This has been really great. Uh, are you working on anything for, good for the week? Oh, man, all the regular training camp stuff. Everyone is in the best shape of their life. Everyone has improved their three-point <laughs> shot. Um, you know, everyone saw all the rainbows, and everyone's locker smells like daisies. All that good stuff. <laughs> all right, man, thank you for so much for coming on. If you guys want to check out Blake's work, like I said earlier, uh, he's at Raptors Republic and The Athletic Toronto, as well as Vice Sports. I know you're doing uh, radio for the Blue Jays tonight. Is that correct? No, I got a uh, sorry covering the Jays game from home, and I got to do a radio spot very shortly oh. um, for the Raptors. A lot going on, you know. <laughs> you're a busy guy, and you're well in demand. So I'm glad you were able to come on for a little bit. Blake, uh, have a great week. Thanks for coming on. Thanks so much for having me, man. All right, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Locked On Pacers podcast. As always, the presenting sponsor of this podcast is SeatGeek. Use the code LONBA at checkout for $20 off your SeatGeek purchase on the number one ticket aggregating site. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow.